Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Yikes Podcast. Um, we're so excited to have you back and to be back in your ears. Um, and if you are new to Yikes, um, the Yikes Podcast is a podcast all about the things that can make us yikes, things that can be overwhelming but these things that we still need to lean into and engage with and these are things like refugee rights activism like anti-racism racial justice climate justice women's rights gender equality gender liberation all of that good stuff i just named a lot of things um but these are it's very broad we go into a lot of different things um and things that will move us towards collective liberation um, and we try and make them a bit less overwhelming and move towards action instead yeah, and today we are super excited because uh, March the 8th is International Women's Day and so today it's all about um, yeah feminism, uh, gender liberation, uh, collective liberation around gender issues and sexuality and yeah, um, we're also super excited because this episode is sponsored by Treedom um, and we are um, really passionate about this. We've done a collaboration with them before. Um, a few facts before I go into what they are doing for International Women's Day. So currently 70% of global farmers are female, um, producing most of the food that eat that we eat globally, but actually only 10% of global land is owned by women. Um, and this like kind of like discrepancy between, you know, being like the frontline workers and the frontline carers for land and food, mm-hmm. but actually not having like land ownership and also not the money that is mostly held by men. Um, translate into like a lack of self-determination um so female farmers do most of unpaid uh, and time-consuming household responsibilities water carrying firewood collection food preparing and also carrying uh, like doing um duties of care i guess in their Mm -hmm. own households (coughs) and therefore they carry the burdens of climate change and social inequality uh, at the front front lines of global climate change so um that kind of just like shows the high vulnerability of female farmers around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of them are, you know, like doing the frontline work in, um, yeah, like finding solutions against the climate crisis. Yeah. And um, the way that you can support that and also generally as uh, Mother's Day is coming up in the UK, at least. Um, if you go to tree them and you buy trees, basically all of that uh, profits is going directly to farmers. You can give those trees to your friends, to your mums, to anyone. Um, and uh, it's kind of like this super nice like gifting where you don't receive mm-hmm. anything, but you know that all of those funds have gone straight to um, straight to small scale farmers doing agroforestry around the world. And particularly for this campaign, Uh, to women and indigenous women in Guatemala. So with further ado, let's get into the episode. Just before we get into the episode, here are a few definitions. Generally, we're going to define feminism and what it means to us in this episode. But um, just as a super quick definition, uh, it's a range of social movements and political movements and ideologies um, beyond and like looking at social and uh, gender justice, but beyond the gender binary, which brings me to my second definition, TERF, which means uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that just doesn't exist because if you're trans exclusionary um you're not a feminist and that's yeah. that mm-hmm. and too often i think turf gets used when they should just call someone a transphobe like yes 100 percent um there's a transphobe um and then the next definition is for intersectionality, which is something that we've mentioned. We mentioned in a lot of different episodes, um, but just as a quick definition. So intersectionality is a, a term, a framework, which has been spoken about by lots of black feminist writers, such as Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, um, and Kim- Kimberly Crenshaw, who um, kind of define the term um, through her work, seeing how black women were um, and are oppressed not just for being black but being a woman but also that that those two things aren't separate from each other and they overlap they intersect um and they compound to create kind of a different form of oppression um and how basically all of our social justice struggles all of us um the issues that exist in the world are connected so we cannot separate them um and we must look at the interconnections and the connections and the existence of all of these structures um in order to do work that is inclusive and that will move us towards collective liberation um so those are just a few definitions um we hope that hope we hope that that makes the episode kind of more accessible for people um but we always recommend having google along if you happen to not understand something we're talking about um google is your friend everyone Mm. um and with that enjoy the episode Um, do you identify as a feminist and have you always identified as a feminist? I definitely think I identify as a feminist now. I still have a lot of issues with the modern day feminist movement, which I think for me growing yeah. up, like in my household, it wasn't taught, like we wouldn't identify as feminists as in like, as in my, I did as, when I was, a, when I was a, like growing up and became politically aware, but my mum definitely didn't identify with feminism. Like she didn't think she was a feminist she didn't mm. I think and I see that now and growing up I've realized and reading a lot more that that wasn't because she didn't hold feminist ideals it was because she didn't feel seen in the mm-hmm. in the modern day feminist movement and she didn't see that it was for her as a black woman mm-hmm. um and she saw it as something that was very separate from her um I remember we'd have a lot of arguments growing up about her I'd be like why don't you call yourself a feminist? And then she'd say all these things that obviously I was probably a bit too young to like fully understand. Um, and then it's been kind of growing up mm. and reading books like um, Women, Race and Class and um, Hood Feminism and things like that, where I've I've come to understand, especially like older generations of black women, how, yeah, they've been completely ignored by the feminist movement um, over mm. generations. And so I can understand this like hesitancy to to label themselves in that way, even if they hold those values and practices. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, com- yeah, that makes completely makes sense. sense. Yeah, I think definitely, um, like for me as well, I think feminism was almost like um, kind of translated into this like as like a dirty word. Mm. Um, and even though like the feminist ideals and values were very present, but I, I definitely know I've always been a feminist mm-hmm. and I'm super passionate about feminism but um, I remember like when I was really, really young and you know how like people would ask you like, what's your dream job? And I, and I wanted to be the first female Pope because I was just, <laughs> I must have been as a child, I must have just been like, fuck the patriarchy yes. and everything that the like Catholic church like doesn't want me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I learned that there was most likely already a female Pope, mm-hmm. I was like, thank God I don't have to do that. <laughs> um <laughs> 
because um yeah oh let's review it i would have been joe i can't imagine that i'm pope. sorry sorry hun, but i cannot imagine <laughs> like imagine me as a pope she never <laughs> like that's just so not you <laughs> yeah but yeah i think um i think i definitely grew up with like feminist values mm-hmm. and especially um because like i like my grandma for example like she really had to fight as um one of the older females in her households after like post um post world war mm-hmm. in germany um like being being a woman she would have had to care for all of her younger siblings mm-hmm. but she really fought to actually be able to go to school and she was the first woman at that time to um to attend high school and so she went to an all boys school i think i come from a household where women were really strong but actually feminism in itself wasn't really strong Mm -hmm. and I wonder if that was because you know like um we as white women were like very much like feminism was kind of like checked off and like Mm -hmm. achieved Mm -hmm. for for example the women in my household and around me um so yeah I wonder what like how that has maybe affected for example the the female in my the females in my household um but yeah, I'm I'm a strong feminist. I'm a proud feminist. Um and yeah. So what does I guess that brings us to like what does feminism like mean to you like now? Mm-hmm. Um That's a good question. I think like obviously I take a feminist lens to a lot of the world that I see around me. Like I but for me I don't know, maybe it's because of the connotations or the history of like feminism excluding people. I feel like mm-hmm. I take more of a like dismantling the patriarchy lens to things more so than like I Ooh. does that make sense <laughs> like more so that yeah 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 but I think for me language language is quite a big thing to me in my head and labels I get really stressed out about labels a lot of the time and the connotations mm-hmm. and the baggage that labels can carry so I think I the way in which fem- feminism like manifests in my life and the way that what it means to me in a way is how it has enabled me to view what the patriarchy actually is and therefore my actions try and always taking always take a stance in which we're trying to dismantle the patriarchy and what we're doing if that kind of makes sense and that is that is technically like a feminist lens and that is what feminism has has done in my life in in many ways Mm -hmm. um but I'm just quite bad with the labels a lot of the time so I would just be like in my head I'll and this is all Mm -hmm. just in my head as well I'll just think like how how is the patriarchy manifesting in this area or how is it um being oppressive in this area and how can we dismantle it and how can we kind of resist that that side of it um what about you yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i guess for me and why i why i often say that i am a strong and proud feminist is because for me you know like the historical white feminism and what we also see now around like um like quote-unquote turf um like so like trans exclusionary Mm -hmm. um feminism like none of that is for me actually feminism like feminism is for me Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. is beyond the gender binary it's beyond um you know Mm -hmm. um just looking at like one part of sexuality um so like in in Mm -hmm. my sense like feminism isn't a label in like a pathway for me it's actually about dismantling Mm -hmm. any of the um I guess kind of restrictions that people are um, put into a certain pathway. So it's, it's almost about like mm-hmm. dismantling any any like one way streets and opening up like everything mm-hmm. that is beyond, and that you know that includes obviously like if even 
if like um pro trans pro um you know beyond gender beyond binary genders um mm-hmm. pro like you know all sexualities like if if that's not at the heart of feminism then like that's not the feminism mm-hmm. i i want and obviously then that also trans and that isn't exactly, really feminism exactly if what, what feminism yeah and means, also yeah. you know that cl- that includes like being anti-capitalist that includes you know being like mm-hmm. looking at like racial justice that includes looking at working class issues like mm-hmm. i think and for me feminism is just something that like combines combines things because yeah so it is mm-hmm. looking through a lens rather than like a one-way pathway um yeah because it's when you look through that lens that i guess you can actually you can actually move towards like true liberation mm-hmm. if you see it as this like expansive mm-hmm. thing rather than this suppressive thing um because this what you're saying especially when you're talking about like how feminism needs to be anti-capitalist and needs mm. to be like for racial justice and all these different things um like this makes me think of Angela davis's woman woman racing class where i think that was where i got like a deep dive into why a lot of um like black women don't mm. identify the feminist movement and, and how they've been harmed by the feminist movement. Because within that, she basically talks about the history of the feminist mm. movement um, being started by black women, especially in like the black church yeah. and black women in the black church um, and by like black women abolitionists and things like that. Um, but then how that later kind of got co-opted mm. by other people. Um, and especially how... Um, Feminism, how a lot of people know it, is like the women's right to vote and the women's right to work and things like that. But both of these things meant very different things to the black community. Like, for example, the right the right to work is something that Angela Davis talks about in the first chapter a lot, where she's talking about how basically lots of white women were like, we want to be able to work, we want to mm. be liberated from working, from being at home all the time. And a lot of black women who had very recently, um, like gain their freedom from slavery um didn't like they were already working they were working in these yeah. white women's homes to look after their children they were work, they were Actually, already yeah. having to work and they these women they didn't dream of of working and they were already in that mm. area they were already working but they've been completely excluded from any kind of conversations around mm. feminism or women's rights when these people were also women but were being completely excluded from that and not acknowledged um and so how yeah i guess how when under capitalism labor gets is something that you sell for monetary wealth yeah like white women basically weren't didn't want to resist this new system they just wanted to benefit from it um Mm. and in that way that like black women were being undermined um i hope i've explained that yeah okay no 100 percent it's more that's like a whole multiple chapters summarizing like a few sentences but also when it comes to like the right to vote as well then there was the whole like white white women especially in the uk so in the uk it was white women above the age of 30 who own property who were able Mm -hmm. to vote when we say that the vote was won for women um but black women working class women it was much much later um that that happened um and that's why i see a lot of those movements as very like mm. lacking in in the full scope of things and that's why i guess take yeah taking feminism as like a lens which is expansive is is so important and rather than it just being kind of too closed off yeah i yeah, don't yeah. know if i've made that no, it makes 100 percent. <laughs> it makes 100 percent sense because i think that's something you know so 
like unique to white women and white feminism is like how you know white women are really good in centering their own oppression um and and then mm-hmm. stopping there and then using that oppression to oppress others whilst refocusing on their own oppression and being like well but like you know and kind of i guess like capitalizing on their oppression of like well but i i am oppressed and therefore and then they just center themselves whereas you know and that obviously mm-hmm. then marginalizes and further oppresses other people and like you said like you know white white women mm-hmm. owned black women and white women were mm-hmm. even in the feminist movements were screaming for women's rights but that only included them and mm-hmm. um other white women and mm-hmm. and that is you know a history that we really have to grapple with why is acknowledging that you know even even the um black lives matter uprisings and the collectives around that were started by black black women and you know and mm-hmm. how like that um radical and also i can also like sympathize and by sympathize i mean understand like especially like the white feminism movement and why it's also why i think white women in general can find it like difficult to realize how they can oppress other mm. people and that's because like rachel ricketts um, did a interview recently where she talked about um how almost all of us are like oppressed mm-hmm. oppressors because almost all of us are oppressed in some way and all of us have still have the power yeah. to oppress other people and being oppressed oppressors makes it harder sometimes for us to realize how we can oppress other people because we focus so much on our own oppression that we find it really hard to see how we can still be harming other people um and that translates in so many different ways but i think that's that's why like it might like I can understand like oh if you're like oh I don't have access to these mm. different things then it means that you can focus too much on that and not see the bigger picture and I'm sure that I do this in my mm. life in so many ways that I hold privilege and I'm sure that I oppress other people and it is this like inherent like fragility of like oh well my how I'm being oppressed is is more important than anything else that's going on but actually like mm. if we want a collective we need to like take a kind of take a step back outside of ourselves yeah. <laughs> and look at everything else that's going on and being like it is possible for us to be oppressed and oppressors at the yes. same time. How can we, like, um, instead move towards mm. liberation for all of us? Yeah. That's such an interesting yourself. concept. I really like that. Although I guess also in my head, the opposite is also very much true because when you are at, when you hold a marginalized identity, then it is actually easier to mm-hmm. see how that, that personal experience yeah. is also true for people who are even further in those marginalized identities, you know, and, and live mm-hmm. in, in like in more mm-hmm. intersections. And I guess that brings us to like that intersectionality and intersectional feminism, you know, that mm-hmm. looks at like, we don't live singular lives. Like there are the complexities of our mm-hmm. identity must be realized in, um, in social movements and, and looking at like, we can't separate feminism from racial justice or from working class struggle or, or the, and like when when those identities mm-hmm. come together that's when you know new complexities of oppression exist as um Kimberly Crenshaw like mm-hmm. um obviously was a big influence in that in that thought processes so yeah I, I guess I guess mm-hmm. and obviously you know we're not taking away from the struggles that white feminists or white white women experience I guess it's just more about like it's not the center of the world and why women need to stop making mm-hmm. it about themselves. Um, like the two can mm-hmm, exist, mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Like it, it is possible. I think there's a, there's a really good, um, I think it was by Vulgar Drawings on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'll find the link and I'll put it on the Yanks Instagram. But there, it was like an illustration that was basically showing um, a white woman talking to a black woman being like, like, 
can't you see like I'm like and then like holding down like a big um a big weight above them and it was mm-hmm. like the weight was like the patriarchy mm-hmm. and they were like I'm just like I'm so imp- like can't you see and then the black woman was like zoom out like zoom out of this picture mm-hmm. and then underneath was like a black woman holding the white woman and the mm-hmm. men and the patriarchy and everything above her um mm-hmm. and she was like you just need to zoom out because so often yeah we can I mean also like me as someone who yeah, I, I'm like racialized as black in this country, but I also hold privileges in so many different ways. Like I also know how mm. I need to zoom out often. And that was a really good, this illustration mm. for me was really good in the way it illustrates how it is just a zooming out. Like we can be so zoomed in on our own experience and yeah. our own issues. But actually if we just zoom out, that's when we can have this more intersectional. Because then, then we'll be aware of these other issues because mm. intersectionality and taking an intersectional lens requires us to be aware of how other people um, are impacted um, mm. by the patriarchy by different systems of oppression by the world as it is um and that's why we need to always kind of zoom out and like take mm. a lens of how what's going on for everyone else as well yeah and i guess that's why for me for example feminism is a practice rather than just like you know like an idea yes. or something like for example like when i write like when i do my academic work um and stuff like i always use feminist for example feminist standpoint theory or um, feminist knowledge production work, which, you know, looks a lot around, like, dismantling, like, the hierarchies of knowledge production, because especially in academia um, and, you know, historic literature and all of that, um, men and men's knowledge is usually prioritized just because they hold a a larger... um, They've historically been just more in academic work and uh, and still now their knowledge is often prioritized because they are in more leading positions. Um, And so, for example, Mm -hmm. for me, like in my academic work, like, you know, not only do I need to state my own social network and how, like, you know, where certain epistemologies and ontology, like, so like my my kind of knowledge, how does how does that is, you know, where does my knowledge come from? Because just based on my social Mm -hmm. network as a white woman, I will have certain assumptions um, and not just as a white woman, but also, you know, with academic privilege, with a certain um, like middle-class background and also having academic um, education in the global North, quote unquote. uh, So in Europe, you know, that leads me to certain assumptions about the world. And as I am dismantling them and learning new perspectives, I still hold those assumptions and um for me for example mm-hmm. um increasingly more um more feminists are stating those things in their academic literature but i've i've like mm-hmm. so like it's incredible because especially indigenous scholars and black scholars do that a lot and then now increasingly i see mm-hmm. that more like white feminists do this as well but um mm-hmm. but like i rarely see men do this in their academic work and you know having mm-hmm. that like um I guess, historic assumption that um, there's an objective and that's usually men and, um, Mm. you know, cis white male as like no objective knowledge is so unique. Um, So for me, Mm. feminism is like that practice and also, you know, centering, for example, like looking at like, who do I cite in my academic work? Like, who do I prioritize Mm. in when I do data assumption or like data generation and stuff like that is something that we can can use in our everyday and that makes you know um for example that dismantles knowledge hierarchies um
yeah, I guess, what you're, so what you're saying about feminism being a lens and a practice, to me, it's it, it's like a, it's like a component lens to the lens of kind of pursuing mm-hmm. collective liberation that all of us should be taking. Because what you're saying there is, um, it's not, it's not this this single thing. It's not like just gender equality mm-hmm. is separate from everything else. It is inherently linked to yeah. everything else. So it's almost like just like I don't know, like a a thread in mm. a tapestry. Lol. Um, sorry, that sounds so um, <laughs> cringe, but it is like a thread in a in a, mm-hmm. in a tapestry of how we should be enacting liberation work. Um, it's not this separate thing. And that's, um, I think that's when it becomes an issue is if it yes. gets taken away as if like this is separated from everything else. And I've talked before, like in this episode just now about um, like black women not feeling included, but also there's been a, a great history, a rich history of like yeah. black feminists who are amazing and black mm. queer feminists, especially like Andrew Davis and Audre Lorde, who are two people that I like definitely have learned so much from their work and I continue to learn from their work because I haven't read or listened to all of their work. Um, but they are just people who I feel like guide me in my life, even though I don't obviously know them. And even though like Audrey Lord has, has passed on to the next world, mm. um, I still feel like these are, these are women who, because of their position actually, I think in society as being like black mm. queer women, they, and especially like Audre Lorde who um, is black and queer and like wasn't really like seen as conventionally attractive mm-hmm. in her times and things like that. Like she had a very different perspective of the world and you can see how that influences her work. Um, and that's why I think it's really great for us to um, reach out for and listen to and engage with um, like feminists, mm-hmm. revolutionaries, um, liberators um, who have very different life experiences than we do, but also who in the kind of, hierarchies of this world kind of fall more towards the bottom um because that's where we'll learn a lot more because we won't just be learning about feminism we'll also be learning about how this intersects with people who are oppressed under the capitalist system how this intersects with people who are oppressed by homophobia um and things like that and especially yeah like how all of these things are connected because when we talk about intersectionality um audrey lord says that um we don't have single issue struggles because we don't live single Mm. issue lives and that is a really succinct um, kind of definition almost for intersectionality that I would give to people it's like it's it's obvious that intersectionality yeah. should be a thing because all of these things are intersected in, intersected and connected and that's why I don't know like yeah listening to different voices for is sure, so important for sure. and yeah I think you know people I mean especially um especially I guess my for example in the UK you know I definitely still hear how like people don't um like people think like we've achieved feminism or like like you know liberation Mm -hmm. for women in this country um when obviously not (laughs) um like there's still so much inequality and um like injustices for um you know under Mm -hmm. the patriarchy include like including all genders Mm -hmm. um so like going beyond the gender yeah yeah and if we think like how could we have liberation for women when trans women are so like so like overtly oppressed in this country like that isn't liberation for women yes and then, and even, even like the, I don't know, even like the least oppressed woman is still oppressed. So how must like people yeah. who fall like at the bottom of that, like be like, how must they experience the world? And yeah, it, I think that's something that I find so frustrating, Joe, is when people, especially when men say to me like, oh, you mm. know, like feminism's 
ich bin chill, isn't it? Like, we, I don't know why I've done this voice. Um, <laughs> but feminism <laughs> but that's is like they're four talking. and one. Like, it hasn't been four and one. Yeah, yeah. We, there's, there's so much, there's so much more work to do. But I think that the, the actual liberation work for feminism can only be done when it also addresses the other oppressive sure. systems in the world. So when it also addresses racial injustice and white supremacy, when it also addresses capitalism and inequality. Yeah. Um, that's the only way and i think that's probably why we've actually been limited i say we as the collective world have been limited mm. um, with feminism so far is often it has failed to address these other things or yeah. has wanted to stay separate from them in order to have like this girl boss feminism of um basically wanting women to just take the, the space of the oppressor <laughs> mm. um and that's almost been the goal in some in some spaces and that's why like it has it has failed in, in many ways because of this lack of addressing kind of these wider issues and this wanting to appeal to the existing status quo and and fit into that rather than creating a new one. Yeah, 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 100%. And I mean, you know, that also relates to like, that also relates to climate justice because I feel like people, um, yeah. it's actually XR Scotland who two, two or three years ago now had a banner saying climate change is a man-made issue, we need feminist solutions. And, um, and I really mm. love that because, you know, Climate mm. climate change obviously aggravates um, and climate breakdown aggravates other issues and other injustices. And like I said earlier, like in the introduction, um, you know, that women are already, for example, at the forefront of, um, of farming, of climate work and everything. So climate change therefore um, aggravates those struggles. And But what I find really interesting is um, actually... I mean, there's a whole like another chapter of like fe- ecofeminism, um, and Vandana Shiva talks a lot about that, and um, it's it's really inspiring. But um, something that I um, that we learned, for example, in uni was you know um, mother mother nature as like the term mother nature was only adopted um, like through the Enlightenment period in Western society, and um, that was also when like kind of like patriarchy was looking more and more into like the reproductive work and like exploiting reproductive um i guess like systems and everything and obviously that's very gender binary um and the enlightenment period was very much like that so obviously there goes critique into all different directions around that but what i find so interesting is that um mother nature as like um i guess like beyond the giant beyond the binary as like mother has always been from indigenous um indigenous community has been termed you know like pakamama um but the enlightenment period made it into this binary like female figure and um and Mm. that related also to like you can extract and extract and extract and mother earth only exists for Mm. extractive purposes and um i find that so fascinating how language plays into that Mm. and how you know like we have seen and like yeah like the language that like um I guess like made the earth as something female to be extracted and to be living for the purpose of, and in that time, especially man made, like, you know, man made, um, industrial processes. Mm-hmm. I find it fascinating and it really shows the sickness of patriarchy and the, the, um, relations to capitalism and to working class struggles and all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously, um, racial injustice as well. Mm-hmm. So, but, but on the other hand, like how, you know, and a, a lot of like, for example, the movements that have inspired me around feminism and uh, intersectional feminism, you know, like the um, the Zapatistas and the Chipko movement and the Rojava Women's Village and also the Kambahi River Collective, mm-hmm. like all of them 
like all have always taken you know a pro environmental justice a pro queer a pro you know beyond gender binary and and in that sense i guess like feminism as a practice and as a collective liberation tool is something that like brings me incredible hope um because it is rooted mm. in like you know like a tradition but also like beyond beyond what we think is possible and beyond what white feminism mm. has as a child taught me that it's self-centered, but actually it's so collective rooted and collective, you know, like, yes. yeah, but that was a rant. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. No, no, no. That's so beautiful. And yeah, I guess so important. Like, I, like, I don't want to labor the point too much, but, but basically what I think has been said a lot here is, is the need for it to be connected to mm. everything else and that's how we create this kind of future and that's how we move towards this better future is if feminism is a radical concept which creates a mm. new world and connects to the existence of the, the issues that exist in the real world in a similar way that when we talk about yeah when we talk about climate and we talk about how you can't talk about climate justice without racial justice mm. you can't talk about climate justice without gender justice yes um, you you literally can't because yeah. the climate crisis also impacts people of marginalized genders more and in yeah. more like um, adverse ways. And so, yeah, you just can't separate any of these issues. I think, yeah, for me growing up, actually, I remember just now the, the start, the time that I kind of started really engaging with like feminist issues on like a conscious level was when I read a book called... Um, Half the Sky by um, Nicholas Kristof and Cheryl Wudung, who are both um, journalists for the New York Times. And it was basically just the first time that I had recognised that um, the feminist movement was connected to other issues that I cared about. In a similar way to the way that I got into climate justice mm. was that I realised that the climate crisis was connected to racial injustice mm -hmm. and all these things. And I realised that um, feminist issues were not just about, like, women becoming girl bosses <laughs> it was about yeah. um about women being like experiencing violence on a day-to-day -day basis like all over the world it's about women like being like forced into really violent circumstances it's being used as like props mm -hmm. for war and uh, used as am ammunition for war about women like being removed of their complete liberty and and how all of that is connected to racial justice as well and all of that's connected to econo economic justice um for me, it was actually, yeah, I think like being aware of it on a global scale and how it impacts women mm -hmm. all over the world and also how it is like so important for liberation. That that for me was when I was like, oh my gosh, this is something that I really, mm -hmm. really deeply, deeply care about and um, I see as deeply important. And yeah, I think that for me, that's just kind of the starting place. That's why I think connecting these issues always mm. is so important for just people generally because also it'll get more people yes. involved and get more people to care about these things because they'll be like okay this actually matters to me because mm. i care about this this and this because all of these social justice issues that we talk about everything we talk about on the podcast and in the world generally like they are all connected mm. to each other and they're all connected to something that someone cares about like everyone in the world will care about yeah. at least one thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it will be connected to all these yeah. other issues and i really love that point that you know it is not it is not just about girl bosses. I really hate that. And we said already, I mean, we kind of made fun of that in the rest uh, episode already when it's like capitalizing on rest and all of that. Yeah. Like the the whole girl boss thing, like is still within a capitalist system and that will still oppress other, like mm -hmm. other women and other non-binary folk and 
including also, you know, also men, obviously, but like men are also oppressed by the patriarchy in some way. But, you know, like you being a girl boss of, for example, a fast fashion brand that oppresses and uses other, other, other women for fast fashion for your feminist t-shirt is not feminism. It's not liberation. And I'm, no. I'm really mm. sick and tired of that. And also on that point, I am sick of men saying they cannot be feminists and that they are not feminists or they are feminists mm. in their quiet homes and don't um, mo like mobilize other men for like for standing up for like women um, and women's rights and feminist issues. I'm tired. Like this is actually, it's hilarious. When I'm, um, when I start like, you know, like when before, before pandemic times when you would like go on a date or something literally one of my first questions is are you a feminist or like and like and like obviously I go a bit deeper of like do you hold feminist values or like you know who are some of your like feminist inspirations and if none of that is present I'm just like oh no like we're not gonna go anywhere because I'm I'm really tired of um of feminism being only um held by by women and by non-binary folk um mm -hmm. it has like men have to men have to be feminists um i think because like mm -hmm. otherwise you're literally mm -hmm. letting letting people who are most oppressed by the patriarchy do all of the work and that's not how we get to total liberation mm -hmm. so men and especially leftist men who claim to be so like for women's rights and everything you need to start doing the work like Yes, but but also because but also because the patriarchy impacts men as well, and it's not like I think that this is something that, and something that um, Ben Hurst talks about a lot, which I think is really great. Mm -hmm. Like he talks, his work is all around like him being a black man and mm -hmm. talking about how the patriarchy also fucks over men, and of course. Yeah. why like communicating that to men is also important, and and being able to communicate that to men. And also, he talked a lot about something that I found really kind of useful and how. I can't remember the exact quote, but he just basically said how saying, like, fuck the patriarchy, like, it's just, it is something that we, yeah, obviously we say it all the time, but it's something that sometimes isn't that helpful because you're not giving people the, you're, you're, you're pointing out the problem, but you're not giving people the tools. Mm. You're not, and also sometimes you're just making out, like, you're not really explaining what the problem is as, as a whole. And that's mm -hmm. why sometimes I think people don't really understand. They see, they see it as like, and they don't really see how the, the patriarchy is present everywhere, impacts everyone, harms yeah. everyone, and it's something that all of us should be um, kind of, kind of participating in. And that's why, like, as much as sometimes I will be like, oh yeah, oh sorry, not he wasn't saying fuck patriarchy. When you say men are trash, sorry, not fuck yeah, patriarchy. Yeah, when yeah. you say men are trash, you're pointing out like that there's a problem, but you're not actually, and you're you're not actually like saying like, oh, actually, it's the patriarchy. It's not just like it's not just yes. men. It's like that it is part of the patriarchy as a whole. Sorry, yeah, I and quick, I, quick, completely wrong. No, no, no. Um. But I think, um, I think that's what I also meant. For example, with my academic work and uh, using feminist lens, there is because, like, for me, mm -hmm. fem like, it's about breaking hierarchies, right? And patriarchy creates mm -hmm. hierarchies even within, like, for men who's who's a palatable man who who's at the top of the list of men yeah. and then you know women and and like this entire hierarchy list that's what we are trying to dismantle right and mm -hmm. um and of course men you know men suffer under the patriarchy um under you know and like suicide mm -hmm. rates and all of these things so um i think what i meant with like men need to step up as feminists is that um no, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, t I totally got you. Okay, got what yeah, you meant, yeah. by the way. This was just just like expanding um, on that. Yeah, yeah. Me kind of like adding to that to say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 
Um, of course, men need to step up because they also are impacted as well. But they should step exactly, up whether they yeah, were impacted that's the point. or not. But, but, but I think that um, that there there is something that probably could be said more about how they like men are impacted too. For sure. Just generally, because sometimes sometimes I think that people, that's why people don't really connect. But um, but I also share your frustrations with also the bar for like I don't want to talk about men too much. Cause this is about um this is this is not the point of this. But the bar for men is so low when it comes to like <laughs> any of this work. Yeah. It's actually just so exhausting. It's like I was watching um like a very white liberal feminist feminist film recently, and there was a character in it who he was meant to be like the like mm, like woke man um and. I had to check myself because I was thinking like, oh my gosh, he's so great. And I was like, what? I was like, he's doing so much less yeah. than everyone else in this film. <laughs> um, and why am I thinking that he's so great? Just because he actually isn't like completely ignoring this. It's just, yeah, anyway, the bar's so mm. big, but we should move on from this. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know, the bare minimum is actually so low. Like, and we talk about this a lot, obviously, like yeah. when the bar is so low, like the bare mm-hmm. minimum seems like, wow, you deserve claps. Like clap for clap for the bare minimum yeah 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 and i I think that's because i definitely do clap for the bare minimum too often and this is that relates back to the girl boss thing because you know it's feminism Mm. isn't about inviting individuals and like palatable individuals what we see as palatable in white feminism for example to the toxic table like and you did an incredible post Mm. obviously about this of we don't want to aspire to be the white ceo male boss you know like um holding mm-hmm, this tixo- mm-hmm. like toxicity no like and i think this is why i'm so inspired by you know like um like collectives and like female and like feminist collectives like doing like yes, grassroots yeah, organizing yeah. because it's about going to the ground it's about going kind of like to like the like uncomfortable mm-hmm. spaces i don't want to be at the oppressive table like mm-hmm. and I, I and i think we need to mm-hmm. stop stop with the whole like let me have a seat like actually maybe the table needs to be dismantled in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If the table's built off, like, the backs of people being oppressed and harmed and made into property and, like, all of these exactly. different things, why would we want a seat at that table? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want a seat at that table. I want to, like, s- destroy that table, burn it down and build a new one in, an, yeah. in a better world. Like, there was, um, Ruby Core actually did a post mm. a poem saying, I'm not interested in feminism that thinks simply placing a woman at the top of oppressive systems is progress. I love that so much. That is so true because people were talking recently about, oh my gosh, like Bumble's founder has become like a girl boss billionaire. (laughs) And I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's that's not what it's about, sis. Like, it's not. Like, it's, it's not about... People who so that's why when people talk about like people who who are like smashing the glass ceiling, well they were already at the top if they were able to smash the glass ceiling. Yeah, yeah. They were already up there. Like to be able to even reach the ceiling, they were already up there. And so it's not about the people at the top achieving mm. things. It's about where are the people at the bottom sitting. Like how like are they do they have human rights? <laughs> like mm. are they being protected? Mm. Um, it's not about one woman like being able to like hoard wealth mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be about like like what's the wealth that we have as a community in the whole mm. world like how is that spread is that distributed are people able to have dignity in their lives so that should be like people should just be able to have dignity um and i really hate this become this like oh my gosh wow yes secure the bag and i'm like no yeah. that's not what it's about that's not what <laughs> it's about <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I feel like there's nothing more to add about that. Like, I guess one thing is like, if you are already at the table and there are many, obviously many different tables, metaphorically, where where we hold privilege, you know, you start to dismantle the table and everything. Mm. Um, but the, mm. the as- And bring other people with you. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I mean, like, when I was like, you know, men, you need to step up. Um, is mm-hmm. and obviously, but that goes for everyone, you know. When when we are liberated mm. in some ways, and obviously, I do hold a lot. Of, like as a as a woman and as a white woman in the UK, I am more liberated mm. than other people um, and other other mm. women and other non-binary folk. So therefore, you know, like whilst we can acknowledge certain struggles and certain injustices, we do need to as you said earlier, like zoom out and put it in perspective and, mm-hmm. and mobilize for that. And, um, and yeah, I feel like that is. Yeah. And I guess, and bring people with you. That's what Tony yes, Morrison yeah. says that like, when you get these positions, it's not, um, you make sure that you, your job is to bring other people mm. with you and not just to achieve these things for yourself. Yeah. And it shouldn't just be about achievement because it's not like a, she says like, it's not a grab bag candy game. Mm. Like, it's about all of us it's not just about the individual and that's what I kind of love that yeah okay before we recorded we're just laughing at the fact that Joe knows no one's (laughs) name um (laughs) um she was talking about Bill Nye the science guy and she called him um Niall she's like you know that guy Niall the lanky one (laughs) (laughs) but but what I do love aside from Bill Nye what I do think is really great about the fact that you don't remember individuals' names is like, it's because it's not about mm. the individual. And, and I think that's good that it's not about the individual for you. And it shouldn't be about the individual for like any of us. It should be about the collective and about what we can do together and not just about like an individual achieving things because that's not how we'll get liberation. Mm. Like liberation isn't one person achieving everything or one person becoming the top of a oppressive system. Yeah, 100%. It's yeah. about all of us being lifted up. Yeah. And um, I think that's like why I, I'm you know, that's why I have said before in this podcast several times now that like I am a proud feminist because I think of all the work and all of the people that have come before me mm. and have, you know, enabled yeah. me to to be where I am today, um, to be in many ways a free and liberated and empowered woman and be mm-hmm. strong and um and vulnerable and all of it. And it's such a disservice for me to would be able to stop to stop there and um mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. of rest on that. And like because like you know I don't know it's it's a burden and it's a responsibility but it's also like my I don't know it's such a beautiful thing to be able to think that like you know all of the people who have come before me have given me these in some ways like I don't want to say gifts but like um you know have rooted their strength in me and now I am able to Mm -hmm. use that for even more liberation to in the future and like I don't know Mm -hmm. stopping there seems like the biggest disservice to the people like and yeah, yeah. and therefore like i think that like feminism for me is just like what kind of keeps me going because and and i mean mm. that in the sense of like because it brings so many things together and um yeah i guess for anyone you know who's like very unfamiliar with like feminism or hasn't really identified as that like that's completely fine like in many ways like we live in in still a world where feminism is a dirty word and and also i think it's very possible that whether you've been calling yourself feminist or not, you probably had many feminist practices in your life and value and values. And I think I also think I I'm personally someone of, who's of the perspective of like, if you don't want to call yourself a feminist, that that's cool. Oh. I don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> like as long as you live out feminist like values in your life. Um, mm. So we shouldn't be as 
it shouldn't be so constrictive as like, oh my gosh, they refuse to call themselves a feminist. Like, oh, of course. Fuck like, them. No, that's not what it's yeah, like. Yeah. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. No, no, no. Um, but if you are new to this, um, we could recommend some resources. Um, yes. And so I would really, really recommend um, like kind of pretty much anything that Audre Lorde has written um, or anything that Andrew Davis has written or spoken about. Mm. Um, Andrew Davis's book, um, Women, Race and Class, is a really great kind of overview of the history of, of feminism and how it intersects with class, capitalism, race, prisons, loads of different things. Um, and it's really good, like, I don't know, it's quite in depth, but it's really, really great for challenging probably your own perspective of how you see in the world. Um, mm. Another book, which is probably like, I would say like a maybe a more accessible like text, although I do think the women racing class is very accessible. It's just got like a lot of info in there. But um, Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall um, mm-hmm. is a really good kind of like, I would say it's a really great one as well to, um, especially I think all white feminists need to read, but um, especially to give to um, the men in your life um, because like men in my life have read it and have been really challenged on how they've seen things and um, mm. especially how, because the whole book is basically about, um, it's called like Hood Feminism Notes from the white from the Woman white feminists forgot it's about like seeing feminism as this kind of intersectional connected thing to other struggles um but in like a really like quite funny way as well Mm. um so and then i recently watched a couple talks with andrew davis on a panel on panels um there was the 50 years of radical feminist futures with uc davis Mm. which was um brown yeah and um andrew davis and it was so great and they just talk about like the feminist movement where we're at now Mm. Um, where they see it going and all these different things. And then um, I watched an, a talk by Angela Davis, which I actually can't remember the name of, but if you search Angela Davis um, Feminist Movement, um, mm. I think it should come up. It was a talk that she did in Barcelona at University in Barcelona. And it basically basically talks a lot about like the criticisms of castral feminism. So castral feminism is basically feminism, which exists to try and imprison men (laughs) from also Mm -hmm. from like a very um perspective that that really does not acknowledge like how incarceration um is built upon the legacy of slavery and things like that but she criticizes that talks about the feminist movement talks Mm -hmm. about like how can we have activist futures and radical futures and um it's really great sorry i just said so many different things there but joe what are your no that's so good um well i would also recommend um on also white feminism, um, the White Tears, Brown Scars book. Uh, that's by Ruby Hamad, uh, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, Bell Hooks has written also mm. a lot of uh, incredible work. Uh, done a lot, of, uh, like ugh, done a lot of incredible work on feminism. Obviously, um, something that um, is coming more and more. For example, in urban planning studies, if you're an academic. Um, then I would really encourage looking at black feminism and radical planning. Um, mm. And there's a lot of work around, um, yeah, like, I guess, kind of like um, the black radical tradition in um, in planning and um, environmental justice and, and stuff like that. And then the collective um, grassroots global justice um, is having a lot of for like international women's day slash months they're having a lot of panels um all by black women non-binary folk and indigenous um scholars and 
um, grassroots organizers and they're looking incredible and also they are audible and uh, panels so for people who don't enjoy reading that much maybe that's something accessible and something that both of us love is the um, liturgist um, podcast episode God Our Black Mother or God mm. Our Mother God Our Mother Can't yeah, remember. Yeah. God Our Mother um, by Christina Cleveland mm. so definitely check that out oh I listened to that episode honestly probably like 10 times like oh, I yeah. just love it it's so beautiful it's yeah. so oh, I don't know how, how that didn't come to my mind straight away oh thank you for running I'm going to listen to it again <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah me too um, me it's too. so great Oh, okay. This has been like such a lovely conversation. I feel like we could have talked yeah. for, like three hours about this stuff. We'll definitely do. I think, and imagine that we'll do other episodes where we talk more about um, kind of other issues. We meant to talk about so many more things that I feel like mm. there's just not enough time in the world. Um, there's not enough time. But we hope everyone enjoyed that episode. We hope everyone had a good International Women's Day. Um, mm. We hope everyone's being intersectional and trying to not be oppressive yep. um, in all of their actions as well especially on International Women's Day um, you really don't need that feminist shirt let me just tell you that, yeah um, you don't also you I've don't. been offered quite a few like um, t-shirts at International Women's Day and I'm just like Ugh. what why don't you understand no. like it's not about yeah. it's not, <laughs> That's about not what that. it's about and like what are the working uh, conditions of the people who made these t-shirts but anyway we know literally. people are trying but also sometimes I'm a bit like mm, okay mm. yeah but Anyways, this was a lovely episode and um, yeah, I've been Joe Becker. Um, I've been Michaela Loach um, and this podcast was all the sound magic and editing was done by the wonderful Finley Mowat. Thank you so much to the patrons for always supporting our work. Um, you wonderful beans are the best and we are so grateful for all the support that you give us. If anyone's interested in joining the Patreon, it's linked in our show notes. Also, if you want to follow at the Yikes podcast on Instagram, that'd be really fab as well. And we will share some of the resources that we mentioned in this episode on there. Um, also, if you want to give this podcast a five star rating, because obviously Ooh. what other stars would you give? Um, that helps the podcast reach more people. Um, we're really grateful for all of you connecting and engaging with these issues and we hope that you have a wonderful week we'll see you next week 